I'd like to exchange an egg. I've made my choice and I choose me. Attention Beverly Hills 90210 fans. You are now entering a song by song. You're so precious to me. Episode by episode. Look, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. Count of the making of America's most famous zip code. It's no trip around the world, but I think we could take quite a journey together. With producers Charles Rosen and Larry Mullen, and your host, Pete Ferrero. May the bridges I burn light the way. Hey guys, don't go away, man. Just go away. It's now time for the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. All right, we are here exactly. you guys on the very first episode here of the Beverly Hills 90210 show, and I have our panel of uh, experts and uh, fan fans. Uh, let's uh, reintroduce everybody here. We have Larry Mullen. Hello. So tell, tell everybody when you were with uh, 902. I, am, I, I like to say that I'm the college years. I wrote the first episode of college, and I wrote the last episode of college. There were 128 episodes in between. Very cool. And then we have Lily, who's with us, representing the fans on uh, this episode, right? Yes, Lily Amram, and I help uh, manage three of the Facebook groups. Very cool. And then, of course... The legendary Charles Rosen. Uh, why don't you tell us when you were there and uh, some of the things that you did? Well, I was there right after they started shooting the pilot. They, they had finished the pilot and they got the uh, series ordered. And we, that was in, uh, as I started in June, we went into production in August. We made our first day. We didn't go over time, which probably made the biggest difference of anything. And then we premiered on October the, uh, 4th, 1990, my father's birthday. And I stayed around. We crammed six and a half years of TV into five years. And I left after uh, the Palm Springs, uh, I, P.S. I Love You, uh, which uh, ended season five. So between the two of you, we go up to about season seven, season seven, college, when college yeah. was. That's right. And and for the purposes of this podcast, this show ended in season seven. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fair enough. I think the fans sometimes many fans think that too, don't you? Well, I mean, there's yeah. the peach pit that you'd have to you have to give the peach pit after dark, it's due. Yeah. I and mean, some probably absolutely. feel that it should have ended at college graduation. <laughs> so yeah. Basically. That would have been my hope, and I and I always, Larry, I should have said, I would, I, you know, like that's when I'll jump off the bus, and we would have had a good another couple of fun years together. But I was too, too burnt you, out. You were you burnt out for that. So that was that would have been a challenge for you in that period of time. Yeah, you always you to look back on that's it. That's a good battler. <laughs> um, well, the cool thing about this new podcast is we're going to jump into uh, hyper-specific episodes, and uh, today we're talking about the celebration of the music of Beverly Hills 90210. I mean, it can, it goes without saying uh, that basically the music defines Beverly Hills 90210, and I think that's one of the reasons why... Um, you know, there's the whole the whole movement that we'll talk about at some other point that Chuck's working on about, you know, restoring the music and all that stuff. But this episode, I really want it to be about celebrating some of the moments, celebrating some of the uh, the, the the critical songs. And each one of us has selected a song. And Lily's got a couple of songs from the fans. And then we might have some surprises for uh, the fans that are watching the podcast or listening to it, however you're getting this right now, with uh, some other people popping in with uh, their favorites. So why don't we jump into our favorites, and why don't we start with the fans, right? Uh, that's where it starts and always ends. Well, yeah, yep. but I just want to put just a couple of things in context about the music, just things that are general motif about music. Sure, yeah, definitely. First is, is that one of the reasons that music was such a signature part of our show is because we had a music budget. We actually had money allocated to option license music, and we had some very hip music supervisors who were provided not by the spelling company, but by Propaganda, David Fincher's company. And so we had a music budget. We had no production budget. We had the lowest license fee in television. So music, we could get some good choices, and, and we had a good, uh, and these people brought us really good songs. In this, and it's kind of defined us. It was very important to Darren Starr, who created the show, that the music was hip and defined 
the generation of high school to be true to high school people. Me, my focus was, okay, let's try to get their older brother and sisters and their aunts and uncles in their 30s to like it too. And you wanted a diner? Okay, we got this diner. Let's have it called the Peach Pit. Let's have a jukebox. And we put in oldies out of that. At one point, only one point did Fox ever say, take out these oldies. And I said, no, and that was, it wasn't much of an issue. And they were great to use because they were cheap. How important- The only other thing I want to say about- pit music. The Peach Pit music is so important, I think, to the show. I, I guess, well, that's that's more, that's that was what I was more comfortable with. Darren, some of the ones that you love that are the, the contemporary songs in season one and season two really came from Darren Starr because that was his metier, that was his focus. The one thing I just want to say about the one thing about how do you choose a song? How do we choose a Peach Pit yeah. song? You're looking for tone. You're looking for the feeling of the song. You usually sting it hard and then put it under, unless the song is going to become the purpose. Like one episode we did in our high school was Dylan was sitting there listening to, do you ever have to make up your mind between Kelly and, and uh, Brandon? We played that like five, six times, you know, to be the joke. That was, but mostly it's just to be under. I've hopefully wanted, I get to do two songs today. I know I get to do one, but I'm hoping to get two. And the second one was one that we we uh, actually was the only song Mr. Spelling ever criticized me for the mix. Oh, I can't, I can't. Hey, can I, ask hear about that? I want to ask a quick question. And I, I don't know, I don't know the answer to this. And maybe Chuck does. Who is John Davis? How did that theme get there? I look at his credits. Great the question. That, that was a great question. Is he an old spelling uh, composer? Were you there for that? Sure, I was. And he did not compose the original title sequence. Uh, a fella named Stacy, I think his name was, oh, Stacy, if, if, forgive me, because I really liked his theme a lot. And we did a title sequence, and it was a little, it came from a, another writer producer, not Darren Starr, not myself, and it didn't quite come off. And Spelling didn't really like the song. And it wasn't the driving force. And Ken Miller who, uh, was the Spelling's uh, associate producer, uh, you know, did a lot of work for him with music. Um, this guy had done probably Dynasty or other things. I don't know. Kenny Miller probably owed him and Spelling liked it. And uh, I'll never regret the, the change, even though I really did like the other version. He never worked again. Yeah, well, that's that's for another episode. We'll talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you learn about pop music uh, being an underscore in something like this? Well, just that you didn't want the lyrics to get in the way. It wasn't necessarily about the lyrics; it was about the mood. And as we got into season. Three, certainly the college years, but season three, because season three, we put out the soundtrack album. Right. So we had uh, institutional support in Irving Azoff, who's a major, major everything. And he is Steely Dan and the Eagles and many, many things after that. He had his own record company for a while. And, and so we got some artists. We got some songs. We had some money to spend on things. We had music videos uh, with the artists. And uh, including Jamie, I saw one uh, recently with uh, with Jamie, the Walters, actually. And P.S. I love you. So you know, this was a, a mainstay of us. But mostly, it was to um, you know, the songs were just the the uh, uh, you know, to the underscore was not to take over and and interrupt the the real dynamic. And if it got in the way. And and not draw that much attention itself, unless it was supposed to draw attention to itself. So that's yeah. How about you, Larry? Were there any things that you learned about pop, pop music, having the opportunity to have all that great music uh, during your years? Was there well, anything? You know, we, we had the uh, the Peach Pit After Dark, so we had a performing venue. So right. we had a lot to draw from. I, I actually I figured out I wanted to see who played there. It was pretty pretty broad bunch here. But uh, I know for sure we did a Halloween show with the Cramps, which was a swamp rockabilly punk band, which yeah. was pretty far out. And uh, we had the Blind Boys from Alabama for a Sunday brunch. So, I mean, you could draw from all of that. Show. I didn't know that. I like that. I like oh, yeah. We I saw that before. I went to fantastic. their brunch. Yeah. Uh, we had Luther Vandross for a uh, Valentine's show. Incredible. Uh, 
we had, of course, the Flaming Lips, which was, right. you know, it, it was the classic, you know, it was their classic alternative band. And they had just played uh, the first, I think, Lollapalooza. And, you know, I was going to I was going to basically tell a story because we, we were looking for the episode Love Hurts, where Donna, there's going to be an attempt to rape her. It's going to be an edgy episode. And we kind of thought it would be kind of fun to have a uh, an unusual band. And um, I remember when we were, we, we were trying to get people, you know, Ken Miller was, who Chuck mentioned, was very important in, in all the music. He was the basic go-between, and he had his own taste and was and was a writer himself. Um, but uh, so we reached out to the bands, and I was reading, you know, you know, like Flaming Lips to their side of it. They couldn't believe that we would call them or we would want them there. They thought it was a big joke. They thought it was a prank. They never thought it was ever going to happen. And um, our actors, I remember, didn't you know? They weren't really jumping to it. It was really a uh, you know the song that their big hit was called uh she we the song we played i have to just find this because it she really don't use jelly or something it was uh she don't use jelly i had never it? heard of the flaming lips when larry said the flaming I lips said, i was, I was, I was certainly hooting in the blowfish so this but is here's all the thing. Here. just so you know <laughs> i know a girl who thinks of ghosts she makes you breakfast she makes you toast she don't use butter she don't use cheese she don't use jelly or any of these, she uses Vaseline. Right. I mean, that was, you know, we put that on in prime time, and it, it really worked in the episode, and it's become kind of a, a classic right. uh, of the music world because the Flaming Lips are still around. It's a little bit of the Flaming Lips right hey, Larry, there. Is this something making noise in the background somewhere? Oh, I was playing the Flaming Lips. Sorry. Oh, sorry, buddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was noisy. It was very noisy. They are very noisy. But yeah. the, the classic line, which gets repeated in all the music magazines, is a, is Steve Sanders saying, "I'm no fan of alternative music, but these guys rock the house." Yeah, and you know, it was pretty funny. Dude, so let's go through some of the choices here the, uh, that, that we went through. And then there's a couple more questions I have about anybody that turned you down and maybe some songs that you had opportunities to. So I want to jump into some of that. But let's go through some of the songs, uh, the Flaming Lips uh, lips being Larry's. Uh, Lily, I'm going to pop you back here. I muted you because uh, there was a little bit of uh, some interference there. Uh, oh, so, so what is the first one? I, I think we all know what the first one's going to be that the fans selected. But go ahead and tell us what you got. Well, I have a few, but, you know, I'm going to start with uh, Blood is Thicker Than Water. So the final, um, the graduation, commencement part two, the final scene when they're staring at their WBEV 93 sign at the Hollywood sign. Yeah. Blood okay. is Thicker Than Water. I do I do remember that one. That's I what the fans want to hear. Uh-huh. That, that really is the one they want to hear? Okay. It was. The one they that they really want to hear is Losing My Religion. Uh, that's what it was one of yeah. them too. Yeah. So let's well, this song. I, why don't we talk about this song a little later? Because yeah, that good. was that was not a that song was put in, I think, on the mixing stage. That was okay. not okay. the song we wanted to use. That's and I've Ooh. seen it cut to the song I want to use, thanks to our friend in Cincinnati, Larry. And uh it's fabulous. My song. But this one's, you know, okay. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Let's go to the big ones that that uh, that came up a bunch in the losing in, my religion. Yeah, so losing my religion. Let's start there. Chuck, how does losing my religion get into this this episode of uh, nine hundred two one zero? And I'm going to mute you again, Lily, but just because okay. there was some feedback there, I'll leave you off. We'll see how. You have to remember we were coming off a full season. 22, and now we're doing summer episodes. So the way we looked at the summer episodes, and, and you know, Darren Starr. Chuck, I'm going to interrupt you was, real quick. We have a special guest that's going to pop into the feed here, okay? okay. Are you guys ready for that? Before you uh, move forward, we are being joined by someone that's popping in. Christine, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? We're all good. We're good. good. Nothing. We're all- Nothing at all. <laughs> How is quarantine treating you? Uh, I'm a bit of a recluse anyway. Um, some of my friends said that when it first started that I was overqualified for quarantining. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, I think for the most part that's proven to be true. I think that I'm, you know, I have, you know, I'm sure we all have waves of like, wow, I can't do it anymore. I feel sad yeah. today, but for the most part, I'm okay. 
That's good. So the topic here is uh, the songs uh, from the celebrating the music of 90210. Are there particular songs that you have a connection to from the seasons? Um, yeah, of course. Um, um, uh, first of all, in high school, I was super punk rock and uh, I was a huge, huge fan of the cramps. So let uh, um, Chuck let me write the episode called Gypsies, Cramps, and Thieves that the Cramps appeared on, uh, which was a highlight for me. It sort of tied my youth to the, to my current life at the time. So that was really fun for me. That's awesome. Um, and I know that the uh, DVDs don't have the original music on them. Yeah. But I think Chris Isaac, I think Wicked Game was used to great effect. Uh, I think either in the, in a, a good uh, Brenda Dillon breakup or Brenda Dillon reconciliation. I think in season two. I think it's a reconciliation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The reconciliation, exactly. And it's really a terrific song. And then yeah. there was the song. What song, Christine? Do you remember? I haven't looked at it recently, so I don't know. Do you remember what song was playing when you were up when you went up to uh, Lookout Point first with Brandon and then with Dylan, or the opposite way around? Like there it was, was some song. Game. We played the same it, song, and it might have been. Uh, it is it was like a game. Yeah, like a game. As I thought, we did we did a two play on that. We would get friends of the show, and the friends of our show were Chris Isaac and, and REM. They they allowed us to use their music. Whereas many in the beginning, uh, <laughs> and and you know even throughout the run, there were people. Because the thing about a, a hit song is that if a group has a hit song, and you and we were a show that commanded at that point, they knew they were going to get exposure everywhere. But nonetheless, they would still get more money holding out to be licensed for a feature film. And so a lot of the music that was uh, just super by super groups weren't really licensing to uh, television and certainly to a little Fox show in the first two years. Christine, when you hear Wicked Game, if it's on, if it's on your Sirius XM dial, do you think about those, those moments or the, the episode? That's, the, I think, the only song that I really do. And it might be because it was in a scene for me too, and it was my first episode, and all of that was such a big emotional thing for me. And, I, and I'm a huge fan of Chris Isaac too. So yeah, I do actually connect. I, I do. I see. I see Brenda and Dylan, and and I always when I look when I, when I happen upon the show, the uh, which happens occasionally, or somebody will post a link. I'm always um, really impressed at how talented Shannon Doherty is. Shannon Doherty really. Uh, mm can say a lot without saying anything. And, and my favorite my favorite work on the whole show is the scenes I did in the first episode with Shannon. Um, yeah. She, she's just so grounded and and you and and I just feel I feel I really believe she loved Dylan <laughs> like <laughs> so intensely. And um that's really sweet. And so yeah. All right, before we let you go um, uh Christine, someone pop this one up. Emily Valentine singing Mercedes-Benz by Janis Joplin. What was your thoughts on doing that? I can't sing. I'm a fucking unbelievably, incredibly not talented singer. And um, she's a great liar. <laughs> <laughs> because I, well, I sang that one. I had to. They took me to a recording studio and had me record Mercedes Benz. But even no. But I'm talking about when we met you when you came into Aaron's office. You didn't. You, you had your guitar. You played it live. No, I did not. Have guitar. I can't play guitar. Not a, I can't play. Well, you sang it. it it's a, we had to hear you sing it before. Yeah, we I, I had to sing Mercedes Benz. Uh, uh, acapella, then, right? Acapella every time. Yeah. And actually, I kept, I was so nervous because I'm not a singer. Uh, I kept dropping the lines. And when I went to record it, uh, Ken Wagner, right? Was that, was, was, it, was it Ken Wagner was in the recording with me? Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller is his name. Ken Miller. Who is the, who is the showrunner that, um, that passed away? Oh, Paul Wagner. Paul, Paul Wagner. Wagner. Oh, Paul, our friend Paul. Paul, Paul. Paul was even there. Um, oh, wow. And they were asking me to pretend to forget the lyrics again because they thought that was a great choice and it hadn't, <laughs> hadn't been a choice at all. I was just terrified. <laughs> right. But the proof that I cannot sing is in that I had I tried to sing uh, Breaking Up is Hard to Do, which is one of those songs like Happy Birthday. It's much harder to sing than you think. And um, 
I just, they, it, it's not my voice that you hear singing that song. Occasionally they layer my voice in and any kind of time you hear like anything that sounds like remotely like a sour note, that's when my voice is layered in there. Cause I really truly can't sing <laughs> guitar or write a motor. How were, how were Shannon and, uh, and Jenny, were they good singers? They didn't do the singing either. One, one studio musician sang everybody's part. There you go. Great. I like hearing that. I didn't know. I learned everything. I learned something today too. Okay. But before, and, really, and before I go, also, uh, you guys had, a, uh, my parents in Boston had a recording studio and a, and a record label and they had a band called Power Man 5000 on that label. Well, we had them on the show. Yeah. We had them on the show. Yeah. Well, oh, later that's, oh, yeah. Very good. Well, I mean, Jay, it was Jason's record label. Yeah. No, yeah. Very, very cool. Before you leave, uh, Christine. Brian was a video director, I think. What's that? Brian was directing their video. It's one of yeah, my yeah. yeah, it was the first episode of uh, season seven. Uh, yes. I did write the song Don't Be, which was a, a nihilistic <laughs> song of uh, some, and we had it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, interesting. Very cool. Before you go real quick, I know, uh, Chuck, when you were, we did a thing before about the Stones episode, you said that the one person that hung out with you through the entire Stones concert was Christine. So do you have any memories of that? Oh, absolutely. You know, Christine and the, because the truth was, you know, that year, that fifth year, that last year, Christine and Jason and Karen and I, we, we saw each other. We actually had a wonderful dinner with you guys up in Montecito that Karen and I always remember. With uh, We left the kids with the babysitter and, and came up and did that. And um, and so uh, here we are doing the Rolling Stones. And, and part of the plot, you, you could be in the front row. And it was and and uh, Jason and Brandon and Gabrielle are, 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 are coming late, and they get there, and we get the shot uh, after I almost blew the shot. With Mick Jagger coming down to be in the shot. Our two characters standing right there. We are here, and the only people there is a small production crew, Jason and and Gabrielle, Christine and I, because we're we realized these are the Rolling Stones. Yes, there's a TV show going. I don't think you were in that episode at all, Christine. Nope. So we were on the side watching. And, you know, they were 15 feet away. I mean, they were close. They were right there. And, the, of course, the beauty of I think you know this story, Larry, is it was supposed to be only one shot. And then Mick Jagger goes back. And then all of a sudden Keith Richards wants to be in the shot. And he comes down and Jagger did it again. It was all great. So we were really pumped up. And I think the Stones did about two to three more songs. And Christine and I hung out there for one song, and then Jason comes and goes, Christine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's your memory of that, Christine? I was blown away. I'm not a big stadium uh, rock. I don't, I don't like big shows. I'm like, I'm spoiled to come from, again, like punk rock. So I got to see all my favorite bands back in the day in a room with 200 people. Uh, and I'm not anymore. I mean, everyone loves the Rolling Stones. If I had to pick between the Stones and the Beatles, I'm picking the Stones. Uh, but but it was sort of contrary to my my idea of what, how, what a band I would make that much effort to go see. But because of the show, it wasn't effort. It was a gift. Right, and I'm not, exactly. I'm not so stupid to t to turn that gift away. And I was blown away by how exciting it was. I was I was I. It was one. Of, it's one of the highlights. One of the best live shows I've ever seen. Partly oh, yeah. because close um it was really an incredibly diverse crowd of every age and race and creed where and everybody's having a great time and mick jagger's 200 years old like mm -hmm. a fire and still dancing around like he's 15 and it was really an amazing opportunity and i'm glad that i was clever enough to take advantage of it when yes. did anybody did you see the stones on that uh on that uh, show that that the global yeah. citizen performance those guys did oh my god that was uh, that was fabulous all right christine thank you so much for joining us here much appreciate it be all safe right. thanks for having me you okay. got it thank you all right so that was a nice little okay. surprise for everybody right lily absolutely <laughs> all right cool so um yeah so let's get back we were we were just gonna attack the the the, the ones that we oh, uh, losing my religion right yeah, yeah we're gonna get we're losing my religion and i can't imagine not discussing it because it's such a big big moment in no, it, it is the signature song and it's great and it and you have to understand you know so there we were and so what we did is we divided up episodes Darren did an episode. I did an episode. Darren did an episode. I did an episode. Basically, I mean, basically producing it. You know, I think the last one, you know, was, was his, but it was mine. You know, we, and this first episode was completely Darren Starr. He had agreed to write this script of them breaking up because she's scared and the whole reaction to the fact that she had lost her virginity. And 
you know, but we felt, okay, we've got to say these things, we've got to do these things, but he wanted the best music he could possibly get at that point. And we had raised our profile. And, if, and, and as I said, REM and Chris Isaac were open to us, the record companies. So yeah. this is this really one is, it's, it's the beauty of Darren Star. It's a wonderful song about being tentative about anything. Yes. Not sure, you know, it's not... Um, you know, it's, you know, I, that's me. And I think, I, I think I feel this way, not, I feel this way, you know, so yes. it really is that nineties. I don't know which way I'm going. Yeah. So, okay. So Chuck, what is one that you picked? We got flaming lips. We've got uh, losing my religion. What's the first one that you picked? Well, because I started this uh, tonight uh, talking about uh, the peach pit, I think we should go to the uh, peach pit song. And the episode is in called fame is where you find it. And the um, this is the one. This was pitched and put in as Brandon goes Hollywood and has this Hollywood fantasy because we have these young Hollywood people and it seemed right. And my wife was extremely pregnant with with my son, and so she was home. We used to collaborate on scripts. We needed one really quick at that point, and the network had asked for, "Can we cool it with the social drama?" They, they pushed social drama for a lot, and I could do social drama. And I said, okay, find some humor here. So it, 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 there's a lot of backstory, but we put this together. But one thing that I've noticed about 90210 episodes when I see them again is, you know, you look to see, well, this was our intention. It was Jason's episode. Nobody remembers Jason's part in it. No. This is this is. Brenda's episode. This, yeah, this is, is about Brenda, Laverne. And Brenda and, out. And she, we told her about the character. She said, oh, that sounds fun. And they filmed this episode. And, and what Christine was talking about with, with Shannon's talent is that it, it, it burst. And this was as a young woman. And the one thing that you see so much in her performance when you look at the video of it is just how much fun she was having. Yeah, And what better song to put out there about teenage angst than that of another part, uh, another generation by Leslie Gore. It's my party and I will cry when I want to. And I know that two of our good people, Nicole, uh, excuse me just a second here. Um, Margo and Nicole, I know were two people who, who predicted that this song would be played. Yeah. So okay. Of all the Peach Pit songs, here's the one that oldie that that comes out, even if it was performed and not off the box. Lily, was that one that the fans also wanted to hear about? Do you think? Yes, it did come up quite a few times. Yeah, so it's a, definitely a good pick for me. I'm gonna pick Harry Nielsen's "Remember" when Andrea Zuckerman uh, leaves the the cast. I picked that because it's such a it's there is there's a moment where Andrea the character you really like Schmaltz that's why you picked it like <laughs> Schmaltz I, I love him and there's a moment when the character says I feel like uh, Dorothy that she's leaving Oz in a way and I think that that song really captures that moment uh, do you guys you guys remember that how did who I don't Chuck how I would say Jessica you know that was a Jessica Klein episode one of the a really a great writer producer for the show. And uh, I think it was in it was the uh, penultimate episode of season six, five, buddy. It was it was the one five? before Palm Springs, yeah. and it was saying goodbye to, to no, no, Andrea. Andrea left then. Oh, that okay. was the one she left in the second to last episode. Of yeah, Blonde. you're right. Okay, so yeah, accompanied it, and right. then the uh, and and Jessica's husband uh, at the time, uh, and and writing partner Steve Wasserman was a music so, guy. He was one Someone who had, uh, had strong opinions, and this was a song he picked. Um, I love Harry Nilsson. I used to listen to Harry Nilsson in college all the time and regret that I didn't have the Am piano. I it up or, oh, I it up. But I'll I tell you something, but I have to be truthful, because I, you said this song, and I said to Larry, when did you use it? And Larry comes back and says, I didn't use that song. <laughs> and I find out that, oh, it's, it's I, I want to say, I, I think we should put in perspective Steve, Wasser, Steve Wasserman. Steve Wasserman, when you wanted Schmaltz, you went to Steve. Steve really, that's what he really would deliver and understood how to really like bring Like blood is stuff thicker in. than water. And I assume anyway. that Steve must have picked this song. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and so and so with this uh, song, it it was one that I didn't remember, and I went back to look at the episode, in fact, and which I enjoyed recently, and uh, the one thing, and it, there it was, and it was really a nice tribute to Gabrielle. But the reason I didn't remember it is because the only thing that anybody really remembers out of this episode is I choose me. Yeah, and that's what, and that's right. that that's the thing I choose me, right? and it eclipsed the music. You know, the music was a good use of the music, good song, but it's not for me what I remember out of the particular episode. Well, listen, speaking of uh, that thing, we have a T-shirt design, and you guys haven't seen this yet, neither of you, but I want to show you the first T-shirt design for this new Beverly Hills uh, 90210 show podcast. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to try to share my screen and show you. So if you're looking for T-shirts, this might be a place to, to – to, a great design. I think it was the perfect timing for this. So I am going to share my screen. I am going to go to here, and it should be this. Boom. There you go. I've made my choice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. I just thought the timing of that was perfect. So eventually we're getting into this new podcast thing. I think this is new for all of us. And we're, you know, we're trying to think of some fun things for you guys to have. And that's one of them. All right. So let's move on to your next choice. And I think there's people that are uh, shouting him out already here. Stephanie shouted him out. And I know, Larry, you picked this one. But uh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. Here we go. Boom. Hold on. Ray Pruitt, Jamie Walters. You know, we used this song twice, I realized. Maybe even more, but certainly twice we focused on it. It really was the introduction of the character. Um, can you hear me? All of a sudden, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, um, I can't wait to you know, I think we talked about, you know, uh, you know, Chuck uh, talked about how I think last time we had a podcast, how we just how Jamie was discovered. He came out of a show called The Heights, another spelling show, and he had a number one hit. And I, I checked it out and seven. Uh, I think three weeks after he had the number one hit, his TV show got canceled. So that's the kind of luck Jamie had. Right. Anyway, I think spelling must have in his heart wanted to do something good for the kid. He brought him into us and we went, yeah, yeah. He played guitar for us in the room and everything. We went, geez, yeah, we have nothing like this. And plus we really liked the new album. Uh, it was a Steve Terrell produced album and the single was hold on. And, and it had a lot of heart in it, you know, kind of, and, and, you know, he was, he was able to really sell it. And, and when we first introduced the blue collar character, it gave him another dimension. So he was a blue collar character, but he had this great talent and Donna, we could really tell a, a pretty good story, which she really needed because uh, she was coming after uh, after Brian had, uh, you know, kind of uh, broken up with her. And she had watched him in the back of the limo <laughs> with Ariel Hunter, I think. Uh, so yeah. this kind of gave Donna a real hot flame and someone uh, uh, who uh, the rest of the cast could hate. But in the performance of it. Um, we also did a performance of it at the at where he's an usher with Don at the Rolling Stones concert. Right, back to the and, uh, yeah, you know, and while they're setting up, he sneaks on stage and grabs the guitar, doesn't get killed, and uh, and sings a song to an empty crowd. And uh, we except piped an in angry, kind of a except an angry, except an angry, he sings a song to an angry roadie. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> he, he does get thrown off the stage the by a very uh, authentic looking uh, 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 roadie. We have another special guest. The roadie is here. Yeah. <laughs> and poor Chuck, poor Chuck had to handle the call from SAG that complained about my appearance. I don't know if you remember Chuck, but they were very upset. I, SAG and I, uh, our good friend, our, our lifelong friend, Gabriel Carteris, is the president of SAG, but back doing this show. They were all over us. Jesus. <laughs> Mr. Spelling would have to intervene a lot. Yeah. I, I do appreciate that, Aaron. That's very yeah. funny. But um, to, to wrap it up, I, th I think the song Hold On, though, really became you know part of their of their their romance and their love story. And for better or worse, that really became you know the heart of it. And of course it ended badly, but yeah. The song was great. And, and the, I song, the song also reached number 16 in the top 100. That's and I do think they probably did something good. for Jamie in that period, obviously, right? I mean, that song was seen by millions of people yeah. every time he either did it acoustic or at the Stones show or wherever it was played. It was played quite a bit. You know, it, it really had potential to launch Jamie into, like, some sort of superstardom, you know, 
Uh, it did. I think I think he just turtled after the, after he got fired. I don't think he did anything. Uh, just kind of, you know, went home. Kind of took his, his guitar, yeah. went back to Massachusetts, and then came back out here and became a firefighter. Right. Good for him. Chuck, do you have any memories of Hold On at all? No, I would just say he. It, it just was really a perfect timing. I mean, we we loved writing for him. I, as I say, I've watched some of the episodes, and I think we he was directed, and maybe we were writing him a little too harsh, so he had nowhere to come back with his class enmity. Mm, you know, he was really pissed off at these college kids that everybody else really loved. You know, so it was very hard. We we created him out there, and it. It, it, it started to be a little, as an acting thing, it just started to be repetitive. But that's as much as a storyline that we could muster at that point. You know, we didn't have, I, I really like, well, anyway, a whole lot is a really edge. good story. I think you brought that edge to it. I think he actually probably brought that edge to it. Probably, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I wonder if he was, uh, if he, I don't even, I couldn't answer this, but I don't know how how well he got along with the cast. I don't really know. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I do, you know, I do think that, that uh, the the Ray's character, I think there's definitely guys in high school or college, right, that can understand hating the group, right? So yeah. I think he definitely spoke to another portion mm -hmm. of the audience for that maybe was being not ignored, but just you know accidentally ignored through the. Oh yeah, God, God knows we had haters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lily, what do you got next? Uh, so we have someone asking to talk a little bit about the things to do on a rainy day and color me bad. I feel like we have to talk about color me bad here and I'll show that question. Uh, that's Beth. You need to talk about color me bad and things to do on a rainy day. Epic. Uh, yeah, well, let's put you there. So, um, again, this is when we started to get a music profile and somebody says to me, there's this wonderful group. Um, that wants to do it, and they sing a cappella, and uh, and I like that. And we saw them perform, and you know, it was you know, there was no boys to men yet. You know, would I have taken boys to men? Maybe, but they were really good and and were very sweet. The episode, it's so we did a number of ones, and the episode itself was shot at our Bellage Hotel, where we went to many times in high school. It's where Dylan. Uh, lived. It's where we swam in the pool. It was on the roof. We we use this a lot. This hotel and uh, and it was um, you know the Felice Martin. You know we had just done all of this a bit about the condom and you have to do this and she's the conservative and and look marriages are what they are and she was fooling around. Now the interesting thing I don't know if you feel this way, Larry, but once we cast Donna's father. That nice guy, play. like, why was she cheating on him? You right. know, it was like kind of weird. But at the same well, time, she, never, she, she never you know, cheated again. She never cheated again, as far as I know. No, it was a, it was really, you know, it's she became a slight a different character. It became a different thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, we used it because also we used infidelity so much with um, Jackie you know, Kelly and David that we really didn't need her to be that anymore. Right. Yeah. But she's a great character. I want to I think we could delve into a whole Felice thing. So let's let's save some of that for the future because she's a very, very good character. Her name is Catherine okay. Cannon. Yeah. Okay. So uh we did Lily. We, uh, I'll do mine. So Chuck will save yours next one for, for the next oh, one. Um I'm gonna say nobody the Lyle Lovett song, Nobody Knows Me. That is a that's definitely Larry period, right? And this is yeah. of course the episode in which, you know, yeah. uh Dylan, uh, you know, Tony dies, and uh, you know, Dylan, it, it plays in that episode. Larry, why don't you give me some? Well, it's the episode that Dylan's going to be leaving. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of the end of everything. I think, uh, the episode, the lyrics are kind of like, uh, she knows I want cream in my coffee, and this, and it's kind of just about in intimacy and how it's over. Uh, and we realize it's really over. It was uh, a big tearjerker that episode, uh, one uh, wedding and a funeral, uh, which Steve Wasserman wrote. Uh, I think was of the single episodes, not a double. It was one of the highest. It was the highest rated episode, at least certainly up till season seven. Um, and it just uh, it just carries the mood. It's you know you've got Brandon uh, there saying goodbye to Dylan. You got Dylan on a motorcycle with with a little cat strapped to to a knapsack on his back, and uh, his wife. He's he's seen his marriage and his wife die in all one day, and it's it's a fantastic episode and. They really, uh, it, it was beautifully laid out and mixed, and uh, you know, it was perfect. 
And I, and I realized I, the original choice for songs was Somebody's Crying by Chris Isaac, which we couldn't get. And then we got Oh, really? Chris, Chris Isaac wouldn't give it to yeah. you at that by that point? Really? Yeah, because I remember now. I always remember it as Somebody's Crying. I had to go back and look at it because that was the song we originally chose. And then this one came in there. And I guess, and I think, you know, again, dear Steve, who's no longer with us, I'm sure picked this out. Yeah. As the backup. Steve yeah. really was. That was, that's what, you know, when Steve would deliver, it was always the schmaltz. He would go places that we were just didn't have with us, you know. I love it. Uh, I'm going to just shout out Courtney, who also suggested, Courtney Sheldon here, who's on uh, with us on Facebook, also suggested that Lyle Lovett song as well. Beautiful song. Probably the only song I know by Lyle Lovett, right? <laughs> Me too. Me three. Yeah. All right, Chuck, what's the one? What, what do you got next for us? I know this is going to go. Well, this is a song. Yeah, this is a song that not anybody is going to pick but me. And it really means a lot. And it's interesting because we were talking about, we started off with Losing My Religion, episode one of our summer episodes, Beach Blanket Brandon. I'm going now to talk about episode two, which is called The Party Fish. Yes. Because at that point, we we were go we were filming at the at the um at the Beverly Hills Beach Club, which we created. Mm -hmm. And Brandon was the job there because network executives and my friend Sandy Grushow said, We're gonna you're doing summer episodes and we want you to and how but what'd you think about doing the Flamingo Kid? And I said, I love the Flamingo Kid, we can do that. We found the club, we did put these things together. Ironically. Where the club is located in Los Angeles is next to current is next to the beach that all Beverly Hills high school kids and junior high school kids would go to called Tees Beach at the time. So I knew this club really, really well because where would Beverly Hills kids be if there wasn't a club right next door? So anyway, here's this this beach club and Brandon is, and there's a whole story about it and we established Brandon, but. The, as I was saying, so many artists would not license to us. And Elvis Costello decided to do it. And what I want to say, and I didn't, and I'm sorry, so let me loop this back here, is that when I heard we were doing summer episodes, well, yes, I was excited. But it also, as we got into it, it made me sad. Because I had that experience every single day at the beach, where the beach sky was blue, and the kids were a little more innocent, pre-pot, pre-all of that, you know, high school stuff in the back of the wall, the cool kids, and, you know, all of that, and in the water, and, you know, it, it smoking a lot of cigarettes. You know, that was mm. the, the, the California that I remember. While we started to film this episode, you weren't, and we, you know, we had scenes where we had our actors in the water, the one with Kelly Taylor and a few other ones for you super fans. The fact is, is that the water was incredibly polluted at that point, the Santa Monica Bay. It broke my heart. And there was a group called Heal the Bay that actually had a major fundraiser on our set. Um, and, and, you know, so it mattered a lot to me, though, how we did this and that feeling of, well, what's the beach like now? What's California like now? And the most prescient song is um, was by Elvis Costello, and it's called The Other Side of Summer. Yeah, and it sounds to me like the Beach Boy songs I grew up with, and uh, and the harmonies in this. And he's talking about summer, and then all of a sudden, in the second half of the song, he goes into the lyric comes, "Madman standing at the side of the road, look at my eyes, look at my eyes, look at my eyes, look at my eyes." And the rest of it is all about the down and out in Los Angeles. And he starts putting into his music video the homelessness, and. You know, we talk today and are like, oh, these homeless, where do they come from? Oh, they right. came from then. Yeah. And so it had the both the thing. It had that, yes, it's summer, but hey, kids, look around. You know, world is changing. I urge anybody to go to YouTube and 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 check it out. And uh, if you've got a relationship here, I don't tell know me what you think. Tell me what you think of the music video, because I love the song. And because we love the song so much, I cranked it up. And I want Kenny and I wanted to hear it. We heard it loud. We were happy about it. You couldn't hear the dialogue at the beach where they were about the grunions coming in. And we did that on purpose. We knew it was too loud. Right. Mr. Spelling didn't like it. We loved it. Now, I'm going to ask you a bunch more questions, and we're going to pop up some of the things that fans are saying. And, Lee, I'm sure you've got a couple of things. But I think it goes without saying. That, is not no, that, that song is no longer in the, so most of the songs that we're talking about right now. They're not in the episodes right now. If you go and try to stream this, 
It's replaced by bullshit. And that's the nicest way I could say it. I thought we were saving that for another episode. We are going to. We are going to. But the I think there needs to be a point made that we are definitely going to attack that at some point. What happened to the songs? I know everybody that's watching this probably wants to know what happened. But it's important to note here that 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 the songs aren't there anymore. And we will jump into that at, at some point, you know. I think so. I think well, on pop TV, some of the songs are there. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, but the ones that are there are the ones that are embedded in the track. Yeah, like did Stone, buy for all perpetuity. The Stone, but all the Stone songs are there, like in the opening because of the Stone they were for perpetuity. They yeah. were perpetuity. Yeah. All the ones, uh, Christine singing uh, Mercedes Benz was, yeah. you know, it's in the track. You, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You know, we bought we'll it that, that way. We'll do that that conversation another day, but um, right. it is a point to be made, I think. Don't you guys think that, you know, yeah. that's an issue? And we'll, and I don't know, I don't have all the answers about it, so we'll explore it together. Absolutely. That's one of the things that we really want you to do, but we really want everybody on the show to care about the music as much as we do, because uh, I think it's super important. Now, Chuck, I want to ask you, you mentioned before that there were people that turned you down. Were there songs that you wanted through the years? And Larry, you'll probably be able to jump in on this. Were there songs and artists that were like, no, I'm not giving my, I'm not doing that. two that that really do come to mind that i really cared about at the time uh well three actually let's go the dreams of dylan mckay when he's in the pool hall and donna climbs on him what we have now is uh living in the material world which i thought was a great backup song but the song i wanted was the big hit at the time by counting crows uh mr jones mr. jones yeah you know me and you know yeah it, it was it was it was a cool song and uh, cool and I even tried to get he would the, the writer Adam Durst he went to Berkeley and I went to Berkeley Cal Berkeley so I tried that it just didn't work he wouldn't he he, he like he was uh, uh, flattered that we did it somebody who rejected it out of hand and and one I always have a little bit of an edge to even though she did license it to a musical my my daughter did that was in off Broadway for a number of months and I'm talking about Melissa Etheridge and the song I'm the only one. And the song that was supposed to be playing in the fire show, the one where the, the lesbians show up, Sarah Melson and all the other show up at the rave, that, that uh, the, the song was supposed to be I'm the only one, which is the hottest, sexiest, Hold on, Chuck. Your, your, your mic got your mic got a little distorted there. P pick up. Can what you hear you... me now? Yeah, we're yeah, good. There now. was a great song, and she just didn't want to do it. And I I felt badly yeah. about that because you know it was uh the way we were feeling about we were not exploiting homosexuality, no. and even no. though she was closeted, God, I, I don't know if she was then. I think she probably was. But look yeah. at her uh, video. It was very. You know the video I'm talking about, Larry? Yeah, I do. Yeah, oh, I, I hadn't really made the connection, though, uh, you know, because I probably I don't think she was out at that point. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with, we were pretty gay in a lot of stuff. Was there so there was, was there another tune? You said there was three. Oh, yeah. I, I think there was the one, Madonna, that, Madonna, the one I don't blame them for. I don't blame them for. And uh, uh, if, if, if David from Cincinnati is listening, you'll know what I'm going to be talking about. Um, so. The song that would be perfect to end the high school series of um, for 90210 would be, in my opinion, was The End of the Innocence by Don Henley. Oh, wow. And you what would have gone into the third verse, the third verse about daddy's home and daddy's doing this and yeah. give me one <laughs> final kiss. And it it is tear jerking. So what you got to do is line it up. I can give you exactly where to start it in the song and then play it sometimes and look at that video and it'll blow your mind. Chuck's going to tell us another, you know, we'll give us the time code. Someone out there that's a great editor, do this for us. Right? Laid it in. Well, the thing is, is that, is that it was, um, as I said, our soundtrack album was done by Irving Azoff and Irving Azoff managed the, uh, um, the Eagles, the, the Eagles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it turns out Don Passman was the lawyer, Ave. I mean, uh, Larry. So we, I mean, my my daughter-in-law's father and my daughter's father-in-law is the person who said no to us. It turns <laughs> out, 
But it was because Kenley's a singer-songwriter and he wrote it for a completely different circumstance and he just kept kept wanting to own it. But it was the perfect moment and it was, high school was the end of the innocence. And it, it reflected in the, uh, where we went with the college episodes. When Larry came on, we started to become a more, uh, a more adult show, a more transitional show yeah. than we were in high school. Yeah, Jessica, it was it was Melissa Etheridge. In case that cut out for you guys, that's who we were talking about before. Um, yeah, yeah. I. Um, what about for you, Larry? Were there songs that you guys requested in your period of time, or even maybe artists that uh, played at the Peach Pit that you guys wanted? By the way, I think it's oh. fascinating that I would never <laughs> think the Rolling Stones <laughs> would ever agree to be on this show, and they're not even on the in this category. You can still watch it. You can check all their old music, like. That seems kind of crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like the biggest band in the world, you could still check out that episode. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, we've discussed before, but I think what happened was uh, Fox was sponsoring their tour, the Voodoo Lounge tour. Got it. So yeah. Chuck and I said, "Whoa, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you think we could pull this off? And uh, God we damn, did, gonna, it did. happened. We never thought it would happen. We, we had like a code name for the show. It was called um, Rock of Ages, I think. Yeah, yeah. With real name was Voodoo, that Voodoo you do so well or something. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, even up to the end, we never we kept thinking something bad was going to happen. But uh, <laughs> what? But what about uh, guests and artists? Maybe at the Peach Pit after dark? Were there people in that time period? Were oh there yeah, I mean, you know, sure. We you know we, we wanted to have Nirvana. We wanted everybody, but uh, uh, you know, we did. You know, I can't remember specifically, but uh, you know, certainly. Uh, I'm like I'm not gonna tell tell the Spice Girl story. Never mind. Oh come on, go for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, all right, Jason, please forgive me, but uh, <laughs> we actually had the Spice Girls for the end of college graduation, where Kelly Taylor's father, who's a big venture capitalist, who's actually going to end up going to jail, decides to do a big gesture and throw a big party, and he's going to have the Spice Girls. And the Spice Girls had approached us; they wanted to do the show. I mean, that's so a whole- when I presented it before the director and producer of the show, uh, who was the director, which was Jason. Jason literally looked at me like I had two heads. Like, it wasn't bad enough we did the Rolling Stones. Now we're doing the Spice Girls. This is it. I'm out of here. I'm not renewing my contract. We're getting the cardigans. Ooh. I had to kind of look them up on MTV and kind of watch for a while. Just be like, love, 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 love. You know, just very light. <laughs> you know, it's just, to- you know, no one remembers. Anyway, so, so I, I, that's, what, uh, that's the show that I got fired. That's the, the band I got fired over. I kind of had overstepped my bounds at that. Wait point. on on the on the cardigans or the Spice Girls? Who the Spice? Girls. The spice you know, girls. That, I I, had, I I died on the Spice Girl Hill. <laughs> and let me let me Amazing. say, and, and someone who was not there at all of this, it, it and who's you know remained friends with Jason all of these years as well, just like with Christine. Um, Jay, uh, all our cast was really traumatized in the first two years with Teeny Bopper. Yeah. yeah, you know they exactly. were on so many tiger beats and so sure, many yeah. this. So exactly. the Spice Girls. I imagine I'm talked. I've never talked to Jason about this, but I imagine he's a Spice Girls teeny bopper. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm not going back yeah. there again. And guys, I've read Jason's book. I don't know if you guys have read Jason's book. He's he's kind of you mean the novel he wrote. <laughs> he's kind of spoken Certainly about the 90210 stuff. Is is not speaking about this. <laughs> no, he didn't speak about this in general, but uh, in general, I think he 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 regrets some of the behavior, some of the thoughts that he had in that time period. So oh, you know, know I mean, it's, it's totally fine. It just was yeah. what it was at that point. But exactly. you know, I would have gone. It was just a big gesture. It would have been a big big deal for the show. Totally. And, and again, it, it, he, Jason. I mean, Brandon Walsh wasn't booking the band. It was Kelly Taylor's father. Right. 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 And uh, you know, so anyway, that's the story. That's was there ever a song that you were presented and you said no, absolutely not? And uh, and yes. then yeah, yeah. This was a, and and this was an episode um, that really is it, that actually won an award. Thank you. It it did win an award. It won an Imagine Award, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. and it was um, it was East Side Story. Mm-hmm. And it was the episode in the first season where the um, the housekeeper's daughter uh, comes to West Beverly High School Great and up. uses the Walsh's house 
as a uh, as as the address where she's living, and basically she's in a witness protection because she saw a murder in uh, Pomona. Her father was a professor, and this is his brilliant girl. So I, I did that. You weren't expecting Carla. Thank you, Laurie. Yes, um, you know, and and uh, and so they were there, and they were, and it was kind of romantic, and one of my favorites. And there's a whole big story about how that script was written. It's the only script that ever went, Larry. It's my only script that went into prep without a script. Ooh. And uh, and anyway, hard one to do for me. Right, a Christmas vacation. And in the first season, but Jason who was going to dance and he was going to dance with her. He didn't have the authority yet to say, I'm not dancing. He had danced mm -hmm. in some of these early episodes Definitely. and yeah. they were going to go down the line. We had some great dancers in the different thing. And I wanted there to be some romance. So because of that, I picked a song that had a romance <laughs> underneath instead of a song that with nobody had ever heard of which starts this way. I'll actually sing it right now. Okay. Everybody dance now. Boom, 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 boom. Right. So that was the one I should have chosen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the kids, you know? Uh, Lily, do you got some more fan thoughts, fan requests? And I've got some here that I can uh, pull up for you guys. I don't know if you guys can see the comments. There's a comments button there that people are uh, asking with, but uh, mm. you can learn that trick at some other point for a future episode. But um, Live comments. All right, yeah. here, here's Todd says, hey, I will put the end of the innocence in for you tonight if you want. Tell uh, me where and where to start. <laughs> and where to start. There you go. Thank you'll you, give your email after the show or however you do it. You give your contact information to Peter or or Lily, and uh, and I'll we'll give you the coordinates. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Todd, for that. Okay, uh, Lily, what do you got? Um, another iconic song. Damn, I wish I was your lover. By Sophie B. Hawkins. Yeah, that was big. Could have easily selected that song to be one of my two. Um, yeah, it, that, well, that, well, that was the difference. See, we're now in the third season, and it's a song that's starting to get radio play. And we can go to them and say, you know, your song would be perfect for our show. Can we use it here? And they did. And it's just, a, you know, it's that, it's that opening thing, boom, boom, you know, that the organ does. It just really puts you in the mood. And, um, you know, it really kind of, you know, justified their their whole thing together they were you, you could see oh they're really a couple here um yeah. so i i love the moment and the song was perfect what about the prom with kathy dendis that's brian matthew serta i guess that's how you say your name well uh, kathy dennis was on our our studio album you know our soundtrack album i should say and um there were, you know she so we used a lot of her music the one that I responded to was, 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 I thought, a really cool dance song called Why. You know, it, it, it was offered. It was on our album. And, and, you know, sometimes you have so many details and so many battles to deal with every day that sometimes, oh, you mean we can do this? Okay, fine, let's go. You know, you don't really, you know, there might have been something better. In fact, one young man I talked 90210 music with is always saying, well, wouldn't you love to use the Beatles? Or I put you with this song here. Wouldn't it have been cool? And it's like, well, yeah, but I didn't <laughs> say Yeah. Uh, okay, here's here's Sarah. Sarah Page Hall says, who chose the rave? All right, hold up. Larry, your mic is cutting again. So just take a second and then you can answer this. But who chose the rave ups to play at Spring Dance? Sarah Page Hall. Sarah Page Hall. Really good friend of the show and a friend of mine. I appreciate that you're on here. Yeah. Um, the Rave Ups were completely uh, Darren Starr. He was directing. I was his first directing uh, assignment. Darren has developed into a really fine director. That was the first one he did, and it really came out so well. But uh, he, he needed a band, and he needed a band that played original material, not covers, and he needed them to be a kind of that would be at a prom, the kind of a an upscale garage band, as it were. No offense to the rave ups, I, I never met them. I wasn't even on the set while they were shooting any of that. But the, um, it, you know, so so it, it you know it worked out, and that's how that would kept it came about through Danielle Gelber, who was a I remember Darren asking her, she was a former spelling employee who had moved to Fox, 
do you know a band like this? Because she was a player too, and she, uh, uh, you know, uh, suggested the rave ups. Okay, and Sean Paul asked, asked, I guess it's more for Larry, no doubt was supposed to play Steve's party. Gwen Stefani didn't want to. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That is, you know, the, so the one we got the Goo Goo Dolls for instead. Which is great. Yeah, I think that might have been through that. I think there was a, the, we, we did throw a cast a little bit of a net there for that. That was going to be a big gesture party on the Queen Mary and. Um, Favorite episodes. Yeah. yeah, I think that did happen actually. Now it's starting to come back to me, but uh, we were happy with the Goo Goo Dolls, who were a pretty big band at that time. And uh, I'm sure that episode has been stripped of all the songs. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, a little very short episode. They played about five songs, I think. Lily, do you got any more? I do have one, and it involves the intro song. I don't know if you guys had any part of that creation, but um, that guitar break when it's Luke's appearance—that kind of bad boy. Where did you guys come up with that? Everybody's done great singing so far tonight on the show. Um. You know, it was just a way to show, I guess, it, it often came from Ken Miller, who, as Larry said, was a songwriter himself and, and who, very fine pianist in this. And he, he, he did feel the music that, that we had. And he, he felt that that wild guitar just showed, you know, teenage angst out of control. And John Davis, who was the composer of the original theme, I think he was the first one to start playing around with stuff like that. Very cool. All right, guys, I think we did a good job here tonight. We did about an hour talking about the music of 90210, right? Uh, uh, I think we could probably go on a, a whole more two hours, but there's going to be many more episodes of this podcast and video cast if you're watching live. Um, so we're, we, we intend to keep talking about more of the things. Now, next week, I think we're going to do an episode. We're going to un- uncover all the things about Beach Blanket Brandon. Right? Is that is that what we agreed on, uh, guys? Is that what we're going with, Chuck? Well, I mean, you could. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I wish you'd maybe bring somebody in to, you know, because I, I don't. Yeah, know I'm going to think about that. I'm I'm going to think about that because this really is not a Larry episode. You know, ours are the college ones. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and this one. Fair enough. I mean, I you know I can you know. This one is really. Let, let me think about that. Uh, also, you know, there there there's some people I could call, and I think would be really good with it. And and let me think. Okay, cool. So we'll talk. We'll talk about that. But Beach Blanket Brandon's next, uh, and then we want to know from you guys. You know, Lily's going to set up a poll where you guys can pick some episodes and tell us what do you want to know about episode wise. Do you want to know about characters, how they were created? Do you want to know more about songs? Do you want to know how a song got into a certain place? So this is what this show is all about. We're just kind of getting started here with the uh, Beverly Hills. Here's Not- the one thing, though. Here's the one caveat about this show for the fans, and and we did make reference to this in our first one. Yeah, is that Larry and I and all the other writers who preceded Larry, we were spent our time in the writers' room, right? And we were based at Spelling Entertainment on Wilshire Boulevard. We filmed in Van Nuys, and Paul Wagner. Who was who came on in episode seven, and ended up being the executive producer of the show and stayed there all through the um, ten seasons. He, um, you know, he he was the 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 man. He dealt with the cast. Yeah. So you want to know all the theatrics that went on? I can tell you. Maybe how it was affecting us in the writer producers room, right. but in terms of juicy gossip, babies, you on your own. Yeah, and, and, I don't and know. This is necessarily going to be any of that. I think this is going to be more about how it happened, how it was made. I think there's a, a, a huge fascination with that stuff. Uh, so, I mean, maybe we'll hit some tidbits. Like I thought Larry's story about Spice Girls was very entertaining and interesting from a production standpoint, right? Um, but you know, I think uh, I think we'll we'll explore things as they pop up for sure. Um, and I'm I'm super excited to have you guys here. You know, I said I would rather hang out with you guys than President Obama. So, uh, I, I, oh, I and- Peter, let's not get carried away, dude. Come on. <laughs> Uh, well, it's drive down to Venice. You can see me. I'm, I'm yeah. around. <laughs> well, not to offend anybody, but it's got to be better than what's currently uh, <laughs> serving us in the White House. Right? Oh, well, that's for damn sure. Yeah, right. And I don't mean to uh, to offend anybody. I do, though. You see, that's, <laughs> the, that's the distinction of 90210 is that I did. So yeah. All these people, whether you like it or not, you, you love one of the most liberal shows that we're 
certainly ever put on the Fox. News. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I had to tell Chuck to stop doing social justice episodes, though. <laughs> they did. They did. Well, The Simpsons wins on that. Nobody at Fox has a better, you know, political eye than Simpsons, and you know, the I best show we, ever put on we, television. We all could agree, probably at this point, that Brandon Walsh would be a better president than what's in the, the White House right now. I mean, he he went to California University. He was president. All right, guys. Thanks so much for doing it. Prior fellow. Yeah, exactly. And you know that he always he always did the right thing. So, uh, anyway, guys, thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to do a lot more of these, and uh, stay tuned for more updates. Follow the pages at Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero Show on Facebook and Instagram. I'm and on LarryMullen.com. That's LarryMullen.com. Charles, do you have a CharlesRosen.com? Oh gosh! You better get. I guess I do. (laughs) You'll have it by the end of the week. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be for everybody, and and, uh, we'll we'll move forward. And there will be all kinds of stuff coming soon. We're just getting started, guys. I think you're going to have a fun time on this new show, Lily. Thanks so much for bringing all the fan questions, Lily. Yeah, you're 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 this process, and uh, don't want to miss not say thank you there as well. So thanks, guys, and thanks for joining us. All right, bye-bye. Bye.